You're listening to ReachMD. This medical industry feature titled Hyperkalemia and Management Solutions is sponsored by AstraZeneca. This program is intended for healthcare providers, HCPs. Your host is Dr. Charles Turk. High potassium or hyperkalemia can be a life-threatening condition that's often treated as an acute event. More recent potassium binders that have been studied for up to one year may be an effective way to manage patients with hyperkalemia. This is ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Charles Turk. Joining me to discuss hyperkalemia, treatment gaps, and solutions is Dr. Anjay Rostogi, lead author of New Agents in Treatment of Hyperkalemia, an Opportunity to Optimize Use of RAS Inhibitors for Blood Pressure Control and Organ Protection in Patients with Chronic Kidney Disease. Dr. Rostogi, an investigator in clinical trials for AstraZeneca, UCLA professor and clinical chief of nephrology, is the director of the Nephrology Clinical Research Program and medical director of the ESRD Dialysis Program. He's also the founder and director of UCLA's Core Kidney Program, dedicated to spreading awareness on kidney disease and providing resources for patients, doctors, and the general public. Dr. Rostogi, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Dr. Turk. Dr. Rostogi, let's begin with a high-level overview of hyperkalemia. What is the current clinical definition of this condition, and what are some concerns and risk factors associated with it? So, Dr. Turk, hyperkalemia is defined as serum potassium levels above the normal range and can vary from mild to severe. A normal range for many labs is 3.5 to 5.0 milliequivalents per liter. Hyperkalemia can present itself with various symptoms such as muscle weakness, tingling, nausea, heart palpitations, arrhythmias, or even paralysis. In many cases, it's silent. Patients with chronic kidney disease, heart failure, or diabetes have a higher risk of hyperkalemia. Additionally, some of the medications that treat these other conditions, like RAS inhibitors, which may include ACE inhibitors, ARB, MRA, ARNI, also predispose patients to hyperkalemia. Based on the information you've provided and your experience with patients with hyperkalemia, how might these risk factors impact the management of this condition? That's a very important question, Dr. Turk. For many providers, a common option for management has been to discontinue or reduce the dose of RAS inhibitor therapy that may cause recurrent hyperkalemia. However, this may deprive patients from the benefits of RAS inhibitors and may not resolve their hyperkalemia. Hyperkalemia can be recurrent for many patients, and I think there needs to be a continued effort in treating it as a chronic condition rather than just an acute episode. In addition to these risk factors that impact management, what are some of the treatment challenges in managing hyperkalemia as a recurrent condition? So, Dr. Turk, healthcare providers may often recommend a low-potassium diet to their patients to manage hyperkalemia. However, as patients try to adhere to this diet, they may deprive themselves of nutritious fruits and vegetables. Compliance with a low-potassium diet can also be challenging, especially if these patients have been placed on additional dietary restrictions for other conditions. Medications such as diuretics are also used quite frequently to manage hyperkalemia, but can have their own adverse effects. For those just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and I'm speaking with Dr. Anjay Rostogi about the burden of hyperkalemia and management solutions. 
Now that we've talked about hyperkalemia management and treatment gaps, let's shift over to potassium binders as a potential solution to treat hyperkalemia. Dr. Rostogi, the recent KDIGO 2020 guideline for diabetes management and chronic kidney disease now includes potassium binders as a treatment option for hyperkalemia associated with ACE inhibitor or ARB therapy in patients with diabetes, albuminuria, and hypertension. How is this beneficial for these patients? So thanks for, for bringing this up, Dr. Turk. The KDIGO guidelines provide several options for managing ACE inhibitor or ARB-associated hyperkalemia in these patients, including potassium binders. Potassium binders should be considered to control hyperkalemia after other measures have failed, rather than decreasing or discontinuing ACE inhibitor or ARB treatment. I think this gives providers great options that could potentially change how we treat our patients. What is the importance of including potassium binders for the treatment of hyperkalemia as a recurrent condition in patients? Potassium binders are important because they may play a key role in lowering potassium levels to treat and manage hyperkalemia. Hyperkalemia, in my opinion, can be a significant inconvenience to the patient and the healthcare provider. Because it can be silent in many cases, patients may be unaware of their potassium levels, making it necessary to check potassium levels with labs regularly as part of their management. Localma, sodium zirconium cyclosilicate, 10 grams for oral suspension, is a modern potassium binder brought to the market in 2018 and is indicated for the treatment of hyperkalemia in adults. I do want to caveat that Localma should not be used as an emergency treatment for life-threatening hyperkalemia because of its delayed onset of action. Can you share with us potential ways a potassium binder like Localma could address the unmet needs of patients with hyperkalemia? Absolutely. Localma may be beneficial to patients managing hyperkalemia because it increases potassium fecal excretion through the selective binding of potassium in the lumen of the gastrointestinal tract. Localma preferentially captures potassium in the small and large intestines, according to an in vitro study in simulated intestinal fluid and exchanges it for hydrogen and sodium. In addition to understanding its mechanisms, we have been able to study Localma's effectiveness in clinical trials in which Localma demonstrated a rapid reduction of potassium as early as one hour and sustained normal kalemia for up to one year with continued treatment in adult patients with hyperkalemia who are not on dialysis. In study one, patients were given a 10-gram dose of Localma three times daily for 48 hours, which started to work as early as one hour and demonstrated a greater reduction in serum potassium levels compared to patients given placebo at 48 hours. Again, it is important to keep in mind that Localma should not be used for emergency treatment of life-threatening hyperkalemia. In study two, patients with hyperkalemia who achieved normal potassium levels in the 48-hour initial phase entered a 28-day maintenance phase. A greater proportion of patients on Localma maintained serum potassium levels in a normal range compared to those who switched to placebo. Finally, the patients that continued in the open-label 11-month extension phase sustained normal potassium levels with continued Localma treatment. Earlier, we touched on the challenge of RAS inhibitor therapy for patients managing hyperkalemia. How could Localma help address this challenge? 
So Dr. Turk, as a nephrologist, RAS inhibitor therapy in my patients while also managing hyperkalemia is one of the most important therapeutic goals in a retrospective analysis of a 12-month open-label study evaluating Lokelma in 520 patients with hyperkalemia and not on dialysis. Of the 483 patients who were on RAS inhibitor therapy at baseline, 74% had no change in their therapy, 13% were able to increase their RAS inhibitor therapy dose, and 14% decreased their dose. Overall, 89% of the adult patients with hyperkalemia taking Lokelma were able to continue RAS inhibitor therapy. Lokelma was shown to be generally well-tolerated. The most common adverse reactions listed in the Lokelma PI are edema reported at 4.4%, 5.9%, and 16.1% of patients receiving 5-gram, 10-gram, and 15-gram respectively versus 2.4% of patients receiving placebo. And hypokalemia reported in 4.1% of Lokelma-treated patients with a serum potassium value of less than 3.5 milliequivalents per liter. Please do listen to the warnings and precautions, including gastrointestinal AEs in patients with motility disorder and edema, and additional important safety information at the end of this discussion. Dr. Rastogi, before we end, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share? Yes, Dr. Turk. In the past five years, there has been a paradigm shift in how we manage hyperkalemia as a recurrent condition, including the use of recent potassium binder, such as Lokelma. This paradigm shift may help in addressing treatment gaps and unmet patient needs. That's a great way to round out our discussion on hyperkalemia. I want to thank my guests for helping us better understand management of hyperkalemia. Dr. Rastogi, it was great speaking with you today. Great speaking with you today as well, Dr. Turk. Thank you very much for having me. I'm Dr. Charles Turk. Before we close, let's take a moment to review some important safety information and where to find the full prescribing information for Localma. Important safety information for Localma. Sodium zirconium cyclosilicate. Warnings and precautions. Gastrointestinal adverse events in patients with motility disorders. Avoid Lokelma in patients with severe constipation, bowel obstruction, or impaction, including abnormal postoperative bowel motility disorders. Lokelma has not been studied in patients with these conditions, and it may be ineffective and may worsen gastrointestinal conditions. Edema. Each 5-gram dose of Lokelma contains approximately 400 milligrams of sodium but the extent of absorption by the patient is unknown. In clinical trials of Lokelma in patients who were not on dialysis, edema was observed and was generally mild to moderate in severity, and was more commonly seen in patients treated with 15 grams once daily. Monitor for signs of edema, particularly in patients who should restrict their sodium intake or are prone to fluid overload, for example, heart failure or renal disease. Advise patients to adjust dietary sodium if appropriate. Increase the dose of diuretics as needed. In a clinical trial of Lokelma in patients on chronic hemodialysis, in which most patients were treated with doses of 5 grams to 10 grams once daily on non-dialysis days, there was no difference in the mean change from baseline in interdialytic weight gain, a measure of fluid retention, between the Lokelma and placebo groups. Hypokalemia in patients on hemodialysis. 
Patients on hemodialysis may be prone to acute illness that can increase the risk of hypokalemia on Localma. For example, illnesses associated with decreased oral intake, diarrhea. Consider adjusting Localma dose based on potassium levels in these settings. Diagnostic tests. Localma has radio-opaque properties and, therefore, may give the appearance typical of an imaging agent during abdominal x-ray procedures. Adverse reactions. The most common adverse reaction in non-dialysis patients with Localma was mild to moderate edema. In placebo-controlled trials up to 28 days, edema was reported in 4.4%, 5.9%, of non-dialysis patients treated with 5 grams, 10 grams, and 15 grams of Localma once daily, respectively, versus 2.4% of non-dialysis patients receiving placebo. Drug interactions. Localma can transiently increase gastric pH. In general, oral medications with pH-dependent solubility should be administered at least two hours before or two hours after Localma. Spacing is not needed if it has been determined the concomitant medication does not exhibit pH-dependent solubility. Please read full prescribing information for Localma at www.localma.com. This program was brought to you by AstraZeneca. If you missed any part of this discussion, visit reachmd.com slash industry feature. This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.